good morning and welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. It's a, another functional Saturday. We'll be with you in a minute. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, good morning, Sean. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, and I just had a funny thought go through my mind. The band is back together again, having because you were out for the past two podcasts. But good to good to have you back. Good to be back with you here on Saturday. Yeah, we had a nice vacation, but it's also good to get back. And you know, it's funny because a lot of times people be like, "Don't you wish you could just stay there?" And a worldly vacation. No. A heavenly vacation? Yes. Because if you go and you stay there, then that becomes just as chaotic and monotonous as it is here as to why you're trying to get go on vacation to get away from it anyway. And so, no, it's nice to go visit a place and then come back and get into the, uh, get into life and live it. And then at another point, take some time to kick back and relax, but that's a whole nother podcast on vacations. And I, <laughs> uh, the, this was something that came to me. I had uh, a couple different things and this is the one that was uh, settled on. Um, heard this, uh, multiple times, uh, you know, people presenting, the quote-unquote gospel message and, you know, really, uh, do you really know your faith? Do you know that you know that you know? And, you know, the whole concept coming from that is that even that within itself tells you that people know that you're supposed to this this faith that we have is supposed to be knowledge based you know faith is believing that which you don't do not see but it is not believing something that is not knowledge based you know that's why messiah said to count the cost of what this faith is going to cost you so you have knowledge of it and then in peter where it talks about your pledge of a good conscience, your pledge with good knowledge, meaning that you get as much knowledge as you can about God, though you don't see them face to face, you then make that decision that you're going to follow them. And this is huge because there's unfortunately, and I know I experienced this, there are too many times and too many opportunities where People will doubt 
what they have in their acceptance of Jesus as Lord and Savior. There will be the times where, you know, they won't necessarily share it. They will share it with some people who they think might understand, but generally they'll keep it to themselves. You know, well, I'm not, you know, because you start feeling the weight of sin on you and you have that guilty conscience because you don't, your conscience is not clear. Therefore, well, I know I, I, I prayed that prayer and I said I accepted him, but you know, I don't know why I'm doing these things that I know I shouldn't be doing. You know, am I really, am I really saved? And, you know, again, people may not admit it outwardly. You know, you don't see people in mainstream church today just going around saying, yeah, I, we, we doubt this faith. It's great. No, they're, they're going around trying to convince themselves and others that what they have is great, but they know the guilt that they have for the sin that they have, and that's why there's a continuation of trying to hide your sin instead of confessing your sin, instead of owning up to your sin. And so there's a couple different aspects, you know, I mean, with this here, do you know that you know that you know? I mean, mother could take it in all kinds of different directions because we don't have all the information, but Yah does, and but they're going to give us what, what we need. And so the concept that comes with this is, do you know your faith? And and faith is intended to be absolutely known. Uh, Paul talks about the surety of faith, making sure that what you've been uh, paying attention to and following, that it's not something that's going to put you in a place of being in vain where it comes to nothing. And this just brings a thought to mind when we talk about uh, doing things in vain, like you'll hear people talk about uh, using the Lord's name in vain. And the perception is that you're using that those curse words, GD, and you're, you're using those curse words, and, and that's, that's, oh, you're using the Lord's name in vain. And unfortunately, what people don't see is that those who claim faith in God who still sin or using God's name in vain. You're professing that you have this great faith in this God. And yet, if you don't find a place of no sin, then you're using the Lord's name in vain. It has nothing to do with words actually said out of your mouth. It's actually the action of you using God for that what they are not a party to and not what they will uh, agree with and accept. And that's where a lot of people don't understand about using the Lord's name in vain. You know, because what do I care if, if you say GD, but if you say, yeah, I have faith in God and the Bible is the infallible word of God, and but I sin, and the Bible says in him there is no sin, well, I just use the Lord's name in vain without even having the slightest idea that that's what I've done. And people have no idea. I, I did it. You know, I did it for a long time. I no longer 
I'm going to use the Lord's name in vain. I'm going to use it from an appropriate perspective because I know my faith. Something I never had before was having the confidence of what I have now, that this is not a convinced, brainwashed perspective of, yeah, 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 nobody's going to convince me. No, it's a fact that when you actually know the absolute truth about something, you you can't be swayed from it because that's the whole concept of truth is that truth is immutable. It's unmovable. Now, we may hear truth or we may learn truth. That doesn't mean we know the fullness of that truth. It just means that what we've learned so far about it is absolutely true, but there's always an expanding and a growing with the knowledge and wisdom of God for us to be able to know more and more. So just kind of uh, kicking it off with this aspect of you know that you know that you know, and I get what they're asking, do you really know? And it's interesting because if you question somebody about it, and they'll, they'll, you know, at first they may say, yep, guarantee, I, yep, I know it. But question them a couple times as you listen to them talk, and, hey, you said this, and, you know, do you really have faith in God? Then they pause for a minute, and then they're like, or pause for a second, and they're like, yeah. And then you go on a little bit farther, and you listen to them, and you use what they say, and do you really have faith in God? Yeah, well, I think as soon as it changes, it's an absolution of you don't have it. You don't know it because when you have known faith, then you know it without fail. That's why when you, uh, if you commit the unforgivable sin of the blasphemy where you fall away, you're going to know you fell away. It's not going to be a quite, well, you know, well, I accepted Jesus, and but I'm doing these things I shouldn't be doing, and, and you know, maybe I committed the unforgivable sin. No, no, because once you know something, once you actually know something, it is an impossibility for you to unknow it. Now, yeah, somebody might argue, well, what if you have amnesia? Well, that would be a, a, you know, something would happen to your mind where it would take away that capability. But aside from that, once you know something, you can't unknow it. Now, the problem that we have is that there's too many things that you've quoted and said that you know that were not based in absolute truth, and therefore what you think you know is a lie, and eventually you're going to waver on it. That's that's a fact. You know, you may stand steadfast for, I may ask you a hundred times, and you're, yep, yep. And then I can listen to you in a conversation and hear you say, when you're talking to somebody about faith, and hear you say, well, I believe that I thought you said you know. And 
this is where, you know, you can try to fool other people and you try to convince yourself, but you can't fool, you can't fool God and you truly can't fool yourself because you know that's why you go to such great efforts to try to make it, to, to give the answer that, yes, I know. Uh, I know I have this faith. I, I know that I know that I know. But you also know later on that you're questioning that. And because this is one of the things that, that I have been through in my journey is I know that I, I know that I know. Yep, I, I did. I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. I know I'm, I'm all right. But I also know the times where after that where I was like, well, the Bible says in him there is no sin. I know I sin. And for me, I, I, I couldn't be okay with that. Uh, no. And then those who are in, you know, the, the, there's a veil that covers the old covenant that only in him the veil is lifted. Well, that was another point where I was like, I don't understand the Old Testament. Well, if I don't understand the Old Testament, then it says that the veil is lifted, but the veil hasn't been lifted for me. And for me, I went right back to something's something's not right here. I, I, I can't accept that I, I have this faith if I, it's not lining up with what the Word of God says. And... It's hugely important for people to understand that, one, you have to know this faith, but in order to know this faith, you just have to walk the path. You have to walk the path of the gospel message, and when you walk the path of the gospel message, don't worry about what the next turn is. You know, you get on the Appalachian Trail and you start hiking. You just hike until you get to a fork, a split. And then you make a decision. Well, do I want to go to the falls that are over this way? Or do I want to go this way that continues me on this path because I've got another destination in mind? Okay, I've got a decision to make. But you can't make that decision before you get to that fork. So why would you think about that decision ahead of time? Now, obviously, if, if you in your mind already have the, the roadmap laid out, Okay, when I get to here, I'm going to go here. And then when I get to here, I'm going to go here. But if you're sitting back saying, well, how do, how, how do I know which way to go when I get up here? Well, wait till you get there and then read the signs because God will make it clear to you. And so when we look at, do you know your faith? Okay, you have to know it from a threefold perspective. And I'll get into that in a little bit, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to speak a little bit about what came to your mind with this uh, concept of, do you know that you know that you know? Well, I, I know from that, that saying itself that hearing that, and, and I remember might've been sometime yesterday, saw the, where we're going to start out and just seeing that. And I was like, is that all? Oh, that's the, do you know that you know that, you know, cause I remember Josh said that he had asked somebody that question and then he would go back to him. Well, do you know you're saved? Yes. Well, do you really know that you're saved? Yes. Do you really know? And then you get that silence and, Oh, you know, there it is. And 
what came to my mind with this, and we'll just see, like you said, where where mother will go and give us more and more truth, is when, as, as I'm seeing this word know, even from our walk the other day, that knowing is experiencing, that I know that you're Philip Gertler, and I don't know everything, but I know because I've experienced being with you, and it even came to mind that even with the, and you'll get into this, but the the three aspects of, you know, evidence, you know, like with you see something is evident or there's evidence. Well, that's put in front of you. And when you discover that, then you're that that's how you discover as you experience it. So really what happens is, is that it, it's not that you convince yourself because you're not able to just convince yourself. You have to discover it and experience it in order to really that be the convincing that it's what's evident that's there in front of you. And I had this go through my mind this morning that the word says that although people knew God, they didn't glorify God. And I thought, well, how do y'all, how do people know God? Well, it's through experience. Well, what is the avenue that y'all went to give people experience of who they are? It's the creation. So the creation is put there so that you have no excuse. Now you either choose to accept, to use that to where you've discovered through creation that Yah exists and you accept that and you find faith in them or you suppress it. And it's just a beautiful way that Yah did this is that through the creation, mankind is without excuse because what is evident about God, their invisible qualities, they're like the, we had mentioned about how if there's no morality, you know, how do you, people say, well, God doesn't exist. Well, what about morality? Well, morality exists. There has to be somebody over that. So that's an invisible quality. And not only that, you look at the trees, you look at the sun, the birds, the, the oceans, all that stuff that is put there so that you experience God. Now you may not, because of suppressing the truth, you don't seek after it, but it's evident to where no, you know God through creation, but in order to really uh, know them in a personal way, then you've got to follow the journey of faith. But it just, it, it came to mind about when you say, like when I hear the word, you know, I never knew you, or if you really knew me, it's not just that you accept that, all right, Yeshua, you exist. No, that's not knowing you. Knowing you means I've been with you. I've experienced time with you. And we've had conversations, different things. And not only that, are you actually experiencing the things that have been put into place for you to really know us? Or did you just think you did? Like you said that, well, didn't I do all these things in your name? Didn't I cast out demons? Well, if you knew me, then you wouldn't be questioning, didn't you do all these things? You would know because you've experienced all these things. And with the knowing that this is, I'll just, I'll give you what um, y'all brought to my mind this morning. I'm positive this will go in the route that the mother was going with you is in a threefold aspect you have of knowing someone is you first have an acquaintance. And then from an acquaintance, you go to a friend and from a friend, you go to family. And I just thought about that. Think about your Appalachian trail that you're walking through the woods and you come across a cabin and wonder if anybody lives here. You go up to the door and knock on the door and the person answers and they're like, you know, can I help you? 
oh, hi, I was just walking through the woods here and, and I saw this house. You know, do you live here? And, you know, can I come in? No, you can't come in my house. Well, I just want to come in just for a moment. No, I don't, I don't know you, so I'm not going to. But, you know, you become acquainted with somebody, but then if you really talk to them, they may let you in. Yeah, you can come in my house, but, you know, why are you looking through my cabinets? Why are you going in, in these other rooms? You're, you're not, I don't know you. And, you know, you're a friend and, you know, you have time as being a friend, but then when you become a family member, then you're a part of the home, then it's your home and you can go where you want to go and and do where you want to go. So, I mean, there's many different aspects we can come to this, but if somebody were just to come up to our house and knock on the door, let me in, let me eat. And we would say, no, you're not coming in here. I don't know anything about you. I don't know your motives. I don't know any of that. I'm not letting you in my house. You know, I want to get to know you first to see if, if we have the same principles, if we have the same, um, things to talk about. I'm, I'm not just going to let you in. And, you know, people think that the kingdom of God is like that, that they'll just let anybody in. All are welcome. No, not all are going to be welcome into the kingdom because nobody that remains in sin will be welcomed into the kingdom. And that's why it says that, you know, no thief, no adulterer, no fornicator will inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that you don't have sin in your life and you come to God and then you get away from it that you can ultimately enter, but people have this conception of, well, everybody welcome. Yeah. But do you really want to have everybody welcome? I know with our gathering, we don't want everybody welcome because you bring in people that really have an ulterior motive or people that don't want to be there. You're not coming in here unless we can meet with you and know that you really have a heart of seeking God with all your heart and you have a heart of repentance to where if you really want to meet regularly, other than that, it's going to, your company is going to corrupt what we're doing. So no, we're not going to let you in, you know, cause I don't know anything about you. I haven't experienced your mindset, your thoughts or anything like that. And that's the thing that people assume that the kingdom of God is about everybody's welcome. Well, the ultimate goal of Yah is that they would like to have everybody welcome, but not everybody is going to be welcomed in there's a, they, there is no better screening process than Yah for any, you can look at because you talked about your experience working for the government and all the security stuff, you will not break into the kingdom of God. You will not sneak in. There is a, a very preset way to get into the kingdom and you cannot get past all the scannings. You just must fall in line with knowing God. And if you fulfill all the aspects of knowing God, then just like a security clearance, you'll be given a rich welcome in. Where's your pass? Scan it. All right go on in. But this is just one of those things that Yah gives is a huge thing of that. If you profess that, you know, God, then God will say to you, well, how did you know me? Well, I did all these things, didn't I? Well, but did you follow me? Did you really follow the teaching of my father? Because if you followed the teaching of my father, then you would follow my teaching. And if you follow my teaching, you would listen to the teaching by mother, um, the spirit, and you would know her as well because you would do the works. And that's the thing is that if you really knew us, you would do the works that we do. If you're following me, then you'll do the things that I do, but you say, you know me, but then you do the opposite of what I do. Well, then you couldn't know me. You know, you may know like the acquaintance, you may know some things about me, but we know from the word that even Messiah said that no greater love is this than to lay down your life for your 
friend. Well, he didn't say that you lay your life down for everybody. He said you lay your life down for your friend. And at that point, crucifying yourself with Christ that, you know, that Abba and Ima, or that's your friends. Well, you lay your life down, you put sin to death. You get circumcision heart now, child of God. Now you're a son or daughter, and the son or daughter does disobey the parents. So it's just, with all this, it's just an ever-expanding, growing truth. And it's just exciting to me because I'm putting into practice what Yad uh, multiple times had told me, that when we're talking about the truth of God, that you just let the truth and the living water flow. And they'll give you everything that you need. They'll, they'll bring everything you need in the moment. And this is just another way to separate those that really do know the truth, which all the things that we're talking about, we've had experience in. This isn't something that we've had no experience. And we're just giving a lecture to people that you just need to listen to me. And no, we're, we have experienced and we are experience, experiencing the very things that we're talking about that just like with anybody that, you know, are people really going to say that, you know, I don't know my wife, I don't know my daughter, I don't know my friends. Well, we could go back with a Socratic and do you really know your friends? Do you really know God? And that's the thing, the really question it instead of, yeah, I know them. It, well, what does it really mean to know something? And this is where Yah's driving as the Socratic of, do you really know, have you really questioned yourself? on what knowing is and do I really know what I think I know? And that's the point is to drive you to question yourself and say, do I really know this? And if I do, how do I know it? And, and that's the thing, because once you know the truth, Messiah said, the truth will set you free. So it's you discovering it and you experience the freedom and you feel the freedom and you know the freedom as opposed to, yeah, Jesus set me free. Well, how do you know that he set you free? Well, I know because I don't sin and because I don't have a guilty conscience. Okay, so you do know it. Or tell me about what is circumcision of the heart all about? I have no idea. Well, then you can't, you don't know God then. And the, you know, I say the word fullness that you don't understand the fullness of faith yet. So question that. And I remember this <clears throat> before turning back over to you. In our prior walk in Christianity, because we've been through Christianity, we know Christianity. That how many times <clears throat> did anybody stop and tell you, do you really know that you're saved? Now, they may think it themselves, but did everybody, do you ever hear a sermon where, all right, today, folks, we're going to talk about how do you know that you're saved? No, most of the time you don't get that. You just get, well, we know that we are because we did this or we did that. But yeah, um, that's the thing that, is that... Um, questions are so good because it really with the Socratic and with the question answering, it really puts it in your court that you're the one that's got to figure this out because instead of somebody just telling you, you've got to discover it for yourself. And when we talk about knowing, knowing has to do with knowledge. And what's interesting is, is that, you know, I've heard this said in the past, well, I, uh, Faith and science don't go together, you know, because you have this idea in this world because you have scientists and science. And and so to be a scientist, you have to be, you know, you have to do these specific things and you have to have, well, it's science. So, you know, it's kind of like the thing that came to mind was the uh, there's a commercial for 
uh, dog food. And they say science did that, like trying to take the responsibility onto the the worldly, um, what they call like the scientific community. Okay. And what's interesting is, is that the scientific community is they base their answers of things on an educated guess. They're not basing their truth in an absolution. If, if nine out of 10 times, whatever they're looking at works, then they'll conclude that it's going to work that, you know, that, so our educated guess is this, but if you have that one time, then it's not a hundred percent. So you don't know. And so you should get enough knowledge until you actually do know to actually settle in on a, uh, an answer. See, here's the thing, science, anybody and everybody can and are operating in science. Science is nothing special, and as a matter of fact, does science and, and God go together? God is the, the origin of science, because in the world, we've made science out to be something that it's not, because the word itself, science, means knowledge. So if you have conscience, it's with knowledge. So if you have a good conscience, you have with good knowledge. And if you have a bad conscience, then it's with bad knowledge. And so science is nothing more than knowledge. But it's a a full aspect of knowledge, not just I hear something so I know it. And so... What we want to do in a faith perspective, when we look at knowledge, which is science, we want to look at the knowledge of God and keep looking at it until we are, uh, we discover that we are convinced 100% because there's nothing else, not because I'm doing it in my mind, but because there's nothing else that's pointing in a different direction. And therefore, That's what I'm going to go with. I'm not going to go with an educated guess. I'm going to go with an educated absolute decision to the best of my ability. Now, being in human nature, we still have to uh, be digging in and evaluating to make sure that what we're concluding on is not something that just it makes me feel good to have that conclusion. But rather than know it's the absolute truth. And that's where it comes into play. If you really want to know the truth of God, you have to forego how it's going to affect you, whether, you know, whether it is favorable to you or not favorable, do you want to know truth? And if you want to know truth, you have to go about it. You have to do experiments like, uh, science, quote unquote, science in the world. They do all these different experiment experiences and experiments so that they can come to an educated guess. Um, But the Bible makes it clear that you don't want it to be left to chance. And if you're not convinced absolutely 100% in your mind, not trying to convince somebody else, but in your mind, if you're not 100% convinced where you cannot be shaken, you cannot be changed, 
you you will not waver, then you don't have it. You don't have you're you're just basing what you have on an educated guess. And unfortunately, in this world today, too many people are just accepting what people are saying about God and not actually doing the uh, research and the experiments necessary to figure out, is it true? You know, you sit and you listen to somebody, like even people listening to us, don't listen to us and just, well, that sounds good, and yeah, yeah, that's what, no. We want to put the truth out there, and we want you to understand it, but we want you to get to it from a base of science, which is you come, you come to the point where you have knowledge about this, that you you dig into the Word of God, and you let the Word of God show you, and then you dig into speaking and having conversations back and forth with God, and let them be the ones that are uh, convincing you, that are convicting you and convincing you so that you can know and understand the truth. And because this is where it brings in the aspect of from where I was coming from, do you know that you know that you know from the threefold perspective that you had talking about, that you had spoken about, because in order for you to actually truly know something with a conclusion, you have to walk through the three-phase perspective. You have to hear about it, which is knowledge. It's, it's what we would call head knowledge. And then you have to experience it. This is the uh, experimental process. You experiment with it, so you experience it, so you have knowledge. And then when you're convinced, you join to it, which is, uh, in, in essence, it's a, like a carnal knowledge. And carnal knowledge is an intimate relationship between uh, men and women. And um, so when you have carnal knowledge of somebody, that you've had that intimate relationship. And, of course, in the eyes of God, that's the, that's the point when you're, you're tied to that person uh, eternally until death. Uh, so looking at it from a, we'll put it to a, a dating perspective, okay? You start out in the first step where you're, you're just kind of looking around and, you know, somebody says, hey, like my sister came to me with the picture. Hey, see this girl here? Uh, you think you want to go out with her? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I was going off of what I saw. Yeah, she looks good, and she's, yeah, yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to go out with her. Okay, so I went out with her, but when we went out, I knew her because I saw a picture of her. I saw her physically there, but until I we started having conversation, and that conversation uh, opened up areas to where you're able to see more about who that person is so you hit that that second step okay you got the the okay you got the beginning part where you have the knowledge that this person exists but now you're going to to date them and so as you're dating them you're gaining more knowledge of who they are and what they're about and it it can be tricky because in the dating scene 
everybody's trying to put on their best foot forward to put the best impression out there. And so there's a lot of times where it takes some time for you to actually gain the knowledge that you need about somebody to really make that final step in that uh, joining. But it's the process of you see them. Okay. I know, I know they exist. I, I, and I've, I've seen them physically, so I know them that way, but now I want to get to know them better. So I'm, I'm going to date them. So in that dating process, I get to see more and more about who they are with, and, and can I live with this? And can, is this what I, um, what I like, what I agree with? Cause ultimately that's what it's about on both sides anyway. And then, so now, you know, them from a head knowledge perspective, I, no, well, no, the first one's the head knowledge. The second one is the heart knowledge. So you have the head knowledge that they exist. Now you have heart knowledge because you've had conversation with them. You've been able to talk with them. And then, then you get married and then you have that union together where you are joined to them. And so just because you hear somebody, uh, put fancy words out there and make you feel bad and make you feel sad, then you jump to accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And then you find out that, well, why am I questioning this? Why am I doubting? Because you had knowledge of Messiah only from the head knowledge perspective. You didn't have it from the heart knowledge perspective. And you didn't carry it through so that you could actually truly be unified, connected to Messiah. And that's just the avenue and the way of knowledge in science, because science is knowledge. That's what we should be doing. Okay, we recognize that this thing exists, so let's study it. And so we can get heart knowledge about it. And then when we get to heart knowledge, because each time in each step, there's supposed to be a decision made and the decision for all three steps are not supposed to be made at the beginning. You know, people say, uh, you ever, you ever heard this love at first sight? Definitely. Yeah. And no, no, you, you can't have love at first sight because well, first off, love has does nothing to do with sight. But the objective is, is you have to make a decision at each step in the process. You have to look at this person and is it somebody that is that I'm attracted to? And, and that's the first decision I have, I, I have to make, you have to make, anybody has to make is, am I attracted to this person? Should I be attracted to this person? You know, what do I know about this person? Uh, how am I going to figure that out? Well, I've got to advance. So as I'm talking to this person, or then I'm like, wow, I, I really, I'm seeing that I'm liking this person. So let me, let, let's, let's date. You know, I make that decision. I, well, I want to date you. Okay, hey, do you want to date? Or, you know, I mean, it's kind of different in this, this day and age. I'm, But anyway, the objective is, is you have to make a decision first whether you want to have anything to do with that person or not. 
and then you make that decision. Yeah, yeah, I think I want to pursue this, so I'm going to pursue it. And then you start to pursue it, and you may find out that uh, I'm not really liking that. I'm not, you know, I'm seeing things that I don't really agree with. And then a lot of times we see that, but we push it aside because we want the companionship more than we want the somebody who's actually going to be good for us. Uh, not that you can't, after you've done that, not that you can't build yourself to a place where you go through it again with them and do it from the right perspective. Uh, cause that's the process that I've had with uh, my wife. But so you get to that point in the first part, you make a decision that you're going to date them. Then you date them for a while. Now you get to another point of decision. A a am I going to continue in this? Or am I going to get away from it because I'm seeing things that because I've had in the past, I've had relationships where I. Uh, I was physically attracted to a specific girl, but then as we started dating, she started to get kind of like possessive, like wanting to know where you were every single moment of the time. And I, and it was like, and I was like, uh, no, no, I'm done. Because that, that's part of the process. I got to know that this person was overbearing and um, uh, clingy like that. And I was like, I, I don't want that. And then I got away from it. So each point you get your, your dating, then that brings you to the next decision of, am I going to continue? Do I want to live the rest of my life with this person or not? And unfortunately... Too many people make that decision without good knowledge because you've been going on how that person's been acting and what they've been saying with the perception of, of that's who they really are. But you have no idea that that person is different than that. And you don't find out you have that marriage union and you then you have that intimate relationship with them. Now you're joined for life, whether you fit, get a divorce in this life or not. Once you have that union, you're 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 connected to that other person until death. And then after you get married, that's when well, you've already gotten what you want. She's already gotten what she wants. So now we start to drop our guard. And we start to let those filters go away to where we actually start to show the real person of who we are. And when we show the real person of who we are, the other person starts to say, well, I don't, well, I don't know. You're changing. You're changing. This, this wasn't like you were in the beginning. It's like, yes, it was. It's just that you didn't see it. And, I, and people don't do it this is not a thought out process. This is a program thing within them that you want somebody to accept you. So you're going to do anything and everything you can, whatever you think it's going to take for somebody to accept you. That's what you're going to do. So the process of knowing somebody is you have to know them with head knowledge. You have to know them with heart knowledge where you've spent time with them. And then you have to know them where you're, you're unified to them. Now, 
from a carnal knowledge perspective, that would be male, female, husband, wife joining together uh, in that intimate union. But you can take that and put it to the knowledge of, okay, well, if I know you, Sean, then I, I know your existence, then we spend time together. I have head knowledge of you. Now I can, I can state things. I know more things about you. And then we, we have a joining together, like, you know, we're brothers now. <clears throat> and it's not from that intimate perspective, but it's still that, that, uh, joining of your life and my life together. And it's the same concept with God that you have to go through these steps with each one of the unity of God. You have to go through the knowing God and the knowing Abba. You have to have the head knowledge of Abba, which you get through the Old Testament. You have to have the heart knowledge of Abba through the experience of Abba. And then you have to join to Abba in repentance. You join to Abba in repentance. You get the forgiveness of sins. And now you, at that point, Yah brings you to his son. Okay, now you know that the son exists. And then you have to spend time with him in order to walk through that and get that intimate relationship or get that relationship with him so that you can then move to the point of being in him. And then you carry that same thing back to uh, or through with mother, the spirit, that you get a recognition that the spirit exists and then you have to have that relationship or start that relationship with the spirit. And then you choose that you're going to join with the spirit and each one you could choose either way. You could choose to repent to Abba or to reject it. You could choose to uh, continue and repent to Messiah and walk in his ways or reject it. There's a decision at each point in the process but if you really want to know somebody, you have to really study them and you have to study them outside of the realm of them being able to deceive you. And people deceive people all the time, but they don't do it with intention. A lot of relationships, because I want you to like me and I know that I, that I have these flaws that you're not going to like. So I'm going to hide these flaws instead of. No, I'm going to be me, uh, and I want you to be you because I want to know the authentic you, and can we work it out and work together? And the answer to that is only with God is this possible because whether you see it in the beginning or you see it after you're locked into a marriage, the only time you're going to be able to bring it to a point of good knowledge with somebody else is to have God involved in your relationship in what you're doing. And so, Sean, I'm going to turn it over to you because it looked like you had some stuff coming to mind from Mother. So take it away. Well, well, thank you. It's um, Well, it's a lesson on because what I was thinking and rolling and putting it to the side as I'm getting it was that it was just made clear to me that what I was thinking you had already just spoken of. But here's the something I didn't realize that we – because remember the Socratic, the principle of having open Socratic conversation is the, the Socratic method is about asking questions so that you will use those questions to evaluate so that you can know the truth of God. Because once you know the truth, then 
you don't need to convince yourself because you know it. And we had talked about this is, and I think it was near the beginning of the podcast that this question came up was, do you have to be baptized? And the answer to the question is, is yes. But what people think is, well, do I have to go into the water? Yes. Because you have to really, because I was thinking about this as a beautiful picture of baptism. Because Messiah said that this must be done to fulfill all righteousness. And I thought about baptism. Well, that's a complete immersion into something. So you must be baptized in order to enter the kingdom of God. From the threefold aspect that you said, the one baptism is knowing all three. That And you had had the same line of, of thought. And the reason why is we've been told this, that, well, it just seems like you and Phil just have this connection. Well, because we're joined to Yah and mother is the connection that like we would say, well, how is he able to finish your sentence? Or it's not that I'm able to, it's Yah that we've got, we're connected to the one and same spirit that we have the information and mother's the one that says, you know, what was that? It was, and then all of a sudden it'll be finished. Well, how do you all do that? Well, for one, it's, we've been practicing it with the help of Yah for many years and anybody can have that. It's just about relationship. And here's what went through my mind. Just like you said, with all the aspect you said that, you know, the, the dating, and then you get to know them and you want to be married and joined to them. All right. So you're joined to Abba first through repentance. And it makes absolute sense that the reason that it must be that way for you to go to, for him to bring you to Yeshua is because Yeshua, Abba and Ema are one. They're unified. So the only way you're going to come to the Son is you've got to be unified with the Father because when you're unified with Him, then you can be, He'll bring you to Yeshua where because they're already unified that you can be unified with them and then you can be unified with Mother. And it must be this way because once you go into repentance and you immerse yourself in it, you never come out of repentance. You don't leave Abba behind. No, you're in Him, so you're in the Father. And because you're in the Father, then He will bring you to the Son so you can be immersed into the Son, you know, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. You have to be in the Father, because even in Yeshua's teaching, that if you had known me, you would have known the Father. Because remember, they asked him, you know, show us the Father. Haven't you seen me? You know, if you see, if you see me, you see the Father, because we're one, we, we're unified. So if somebody claims that they're a follower of of uh, Yeshua, then they will be a follower of Abba because you couldn't be a follower of Yeshua if you're not a follower of Abba. And then if you didn't have mother there, then you wouldn't be able to understand the teachings. And mother's the one that brings that absolute seal of trust that now you're in mother. And then now the reason that it's the unforgivable sin to blaspheme mother is because she's the final piece that seals it all together. So once, because you have knowledge of Abba and you have knowledge of Yeshua, well, you haven't got to the point where sin has been removed yet. So that's why it's blasphemy that if you abandon your faith once you have the fullness, then that's the unforgivable sin because it's sin with intention, where before it was really sin out of ignorance, and that can be forgiven. So what I'm seeing in this is the more truth we get, the more we understand we can give a good answer to this, because this is just another picture of the gospel message is that, you know, what do we think that when it talks about the marriage supper of the lamb, well, it's going to be those that have been joined to him 
and you cannot be joined to Yeshua with sin still in your life. You've got to get away from sin and all this, the, the baptism piece is huge. And what people do is, and we know this from experience is that the, the questioning of it comes from, do I have to go, like, do I have to physically go into a water? Like, does somebody have to sprinkle water on my head? Do I have to literally go into a body of water? And I would say to that is no, not necessarily that you have to physically do that. But what I would say is, is if you have done that spiritually, then that will move you to show the evidence of the spiritual. Cause I remember, I remember where I was driving that we were talking, I was driving to work one day and I was talking to you. I was like, I just, I just, I want to go into the water. Well, and the reason was, is because through conviction that this is what I desire to do. And I want to show the outward sign of what I've resolved in my mind to do. And that's the thing is people are get confused to where, well, you know, but people said you could be sprinkled or with a thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized and wait a minute. But again, let's go back to baptism is being immersed. And am am I going to sit here and say that, you know, that water fell on him or he went into the water, but he went into the water. Uh, And that's the, and this is when I say this, this is a spiritual uh, teaching on this is that you must, because if it wasn't that you had to be baptized, then Yeshua wouldn't have said this must be done. But what he's talking about is he's talking about the one immersion into Yah through repentance, obedience, and trust. He's not talking about that you have to physically go into the Jordan River and come out. But what he's saying is, is that when you do these things, that you will do these things. And why would you not want to follow the path of Yeshua? If he went into the water, well, that's what I desire to do too, because he's the one that I claim as my Lord and my Savior. Then why would I, you know, question? Well, I wouldn't say why would I not question, but if you claim that you know it and you have the fullness, why would you sit there and say, well, did I baptize wrong? Well, did you baptize wrong? You know, with the Socratic? No, no, I didn't. Okay, then why did it come out of your mouth that you questioned if you baptize? Well, then that means there's a doubt there. So how do you deal with that? But no, like when you looked at me and I got, it was just like mother just took, do you see what you had been rolling in your mind um, was from me and that you got the same thing. And then do you see this piece? And then do you see this piece? So it's knowing Yah isn't that you just absolutely have the absolute understanding and experience of everything, but she'll add little pieces here and there to say, do you see how this is true? Because this piece connects, this piece connects, this piece connects, and you can't get away from it if you're really looking for it because like you said, once you know the truth, like nobody's going to come to me and say, no, circumcision of the heart isn't the way. No, it is the way. And I know it because I know what circumcision of the heart is about. I'm experiencing it now. I'm experiencing more things. I know what it's like not to have a guilty conscience. Well, what is that like? You'll have to experience it. I can't. It's just something that you have to know what a guilty conscience is and then know what a guilty conscience isn't. In order to know it, well, I just want to know. Well, if you really want to experience that, you must go through the steps. If you want to know what it is to actually know and feel what it is to not have a guilty conscience, that's something that I can't convince you of. That's something you've got to discover. And that's the thing is people can be so convinced that they know this truth. And then you ask them a question. Do you sin? Well, yes, but all right, well, you claim that you're in Messiah, but how can you claim that you don't sin? Explain that to me. 
and then like you'll get the silence or whatever and so it's like well evaluate that because if you're telling me that that jesus you know however you if you say jesus is lord then okay then why are you walking in a way contrary to the lord that you claim well nobody can be perfect well i didn't say anything about being perfect this isn't about being perfect this is about what does the word of god say and and that's the thing is that's a challenge and look at this podcast as a socratic question how do you know that you know that you know that if you if you know then you could even still okay, all right well how do i know and you could go through the steps and go through it again um because what's interesting in this is the enemy is crafty and we're told in the word that the enemy is you know be be careful to know the schemes because think about this he takes you completely away from the first relationship with abba and puts you directly to jesus which you know, knowing that that's the the way that the enemy does it, that knowing that that's not the the truth of the son's work, but you take away that piece of the puzzle, and the enemy knows that you can't come to Yeshua unless you have repentance. But he knows that. But you know, we'll just make people feel good, and you just make this decision, and everything goes great. Well, if that's the truth, then how come I know for me that why do you accept Jesus five or six times? If that was the absolute way, then wouldn't it be one time and you'd be fully committed and that would be, you know, it's the same thing. So we talk about this because we have knowledge of Christianity, heart knowledge of it. So we can help those that are still in it to say, have you really questioned what you're doing? You know, have you had thoughts or questions and you just kind of put them aside or do you embrace them? And that's the point of Socratic is it's not that you have a Socratic conversation to convince anybody of anything. It's about you questioning yourself. And then if somebody wants to talk about it, you pose questions, but it's about you evaluating yourself. And you know, with Christianity, it's, it's Easter weekend. Well, have you stopped to question is Easter really about the truth of God? What, what is Easter? Is Easter a pagan holiday? Is Easter in the Bible? Like, does the Bible say anything about Easter? You know, just giving you an opportunity to evaluate that instead of just going along with the tradition and the programming is to say, does the Bible really talk about this? I mean, yes, the Bible talks about Messiah's crucifixion and resurrection, but what was Messiah's work all about? Can you answer as to why did he come and do what he did? You know, can you give an answer to that or you just say, well, he came to die for our sins, but is that why he came? And that's the point of this is to really question until the point where you know, but then you still ask questions. But this is to where you can be, you can get to a point where we've experienced that you can be on solid ground, which cannot be shaken. Because if you can still be shaken, then it's not that solid ground of truth because truth cannot be shaken. The truth of God cannot be shaken. It's like you said, what was that word? Um, I'll shoot. It starts with an I. You, you may remember, but the, immutable immutable right to where it's like you it's it's solid and steadfast you can't move the truth that you can if you hurt if you push against it you punch against it you're the one that gets hurt but the truth just sits there and doesn't it doesn't move and that's the thing is y'all wants us to be in a place where just like in the song stairway to heaven to be a rock and not to roll you know to be solid and steadfast you know quit being moved to where you can be rolled and you know stop being double-minded you know, stop saying that you you follow God and that you sin. Quit being double-minded. Get get a solid mindset where you walk in the truth and that you can give a good answer because that's what a good answer is. 
a good answer is, you know, what you're talking about is speak what, and remember y'all told us this, speak what you know and know what you speak. So don't speak about something and say it's true. If you haven't experienced it, don't assume these things. And this is just, I'm, I'm just so every time we have one of these podcasts, we get so much more info and mother takes it. And it's just like, it's just, we get more information, more truth to solidify what we already know. And it just makes it more solid and more solid to where nobody's going to be able to convince us of anything different because we've discovered this, that there's just so much more to it. And people that are listening, you can discover this too. And, but you must question and you must ask those questions to yourself and search for the truth. And going back to what uh, was spoken before about God being science and God is not an educated guess, but the faith in God is an absolute conclusion that you know once you've walked through all three steps. And in order to walk through all three steps, that that would be the correlation to the experimental process, like science, they'll take and they'll experiment with different things and they'll do it multiple times. The only difference is, is they base theirs on an educated guess, which means that if eight out of 10 times or nine out of 10 times, it works out this way, then we're going to conclude that this is the way it's going to work out most of the time where the reality of God is, no, it's absolute. And I can tell you from this perspective, the science of God, when you uh, experiment the science of God and you've gone through all three steps of the head knowledge, the heart knowledge, and then the joining to God, that it's an absolute knowing and it will not change any for like if if you walk the same path that I walked now it's going to look different because we're different people, but you must walk the same gospel message. The outcome will be absolutely the same. That's a guarantee. If you walk through the uh, three immersions of repentance, obedience, and trust, if you walk through the gospel message that we've talked about, in the the various different steps. If you seek God with all of your heart and walk through those in the experimental process, which means that experiment with it and well, it doesn't line up with the word of God. So now I've got to go back to the experiment somewhere else or get knowledge somewhere else. And then does that line up with the word of God? And then you have to keep going back until yes, Yes, I know that. That's absolute. Okay, you hold that. But I can guarantee you that if you walk the path that I've walked, you will have salvation with an absolution and you will know it. That That's a fact of it. And that's the beautiful thing about God. They don't leave anything to chance and they don't leave anything open to interpretation. You <clears throat> have communication with them. You have that relationship with them. <coughs> And you get translated to you through the spirit, through mother, of what's necessary for you to have a faith that is truly rock solid. The 
Messiah considered to be the rock. Why? Because what he was teaching was immovable. It was it was immutable. You, you can sit there and try to argue with it, but it makes no sense. And even the Pharisees couldn't argue with him because they knew he was right, but it didn't stop them from coming back and questioning him now and again. But the objective of God is if you walk through the gospel message, you seek God with all of your heart, then you believe God, you believe God, you'll have the godly sorrow. The godly sorrow will drive you to repent. The repentance will drive you to obedience. The obedience will drive you to the trust, and you will have you will have circumcision of the heart if you walk that path. That's not an educated guess. That's an absolute fact of the matter that that is what will take place. And so it's it's just important that people stop just listening to what people are telling you about God and assuming that it's okay because it's leaving you in a precarious uh, position that you're going to end up in hell if you continue to listen to them without doing your own science to figure out, is this true or is it not? And we challenge you, even with what you hear us speaking about, don't just hear it and think that you know it. No, hear it and carry it through to a conclusion that is an absolute conclusion because we're just giving the first part, we're giving head knowledge out as we talk about these things, but you have to have the heart knowledge which you have to experience these things. It's like we can I can tell you that God is a terrorist, but until you experience the terror of God, I can also tell you that, you know, you're experiencing the terror of God. I can tell you God's a friend, but until you've experienced God as a friend, then you don't know it. And so it's just really important that as we look at this, this is about walking through an experimental process to be able to gain an educated knowledge not an educated guess. And when you know faith, that's when you want to make that pledge of a good knowledge to God. When you've walked through, okay, I want to join. I'm giving you my whole life. Uh, regardless of whatever you want, you can have it. Take it. I, I don't care. That's an important thing, but you can't get there by just listening to somebody tell you, oh, you know, you we make you feel bad and accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and you'll be saved. That's not what the Bible says at all. And anybody who uh, consistently reads the Bible will know that it's not what the Bible says. So stop believing what man says. Let, let man be a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. And we even put that to us, you know, because we're teachers of this truth and we're going to be held accountable for it. We want you to know that you're going to also be held accountable for what you believe. We will be held at a higher accountability if we're teaching lies. But don't just listen to what we say, but do the experiments. And some of the experiments, you want to experiment in your Christianity, go to your leaders of your church and ask them about sin. Do you, you know, do you sin? 
you know, how do we get away from sin? And if the answer is, well, Jesus died on the cross for that, and that's how you get away from sin. No, that's not acceptable because the word says in him there is no sin. It also says that no uh, no sinner will inherit the kingdom of God. So that means that you must find a place of no sin. And so you do that by experimenting. Experiment if the, the church that you go to is a place you should be going by asking questions. And if they can't answer your questions, go somewhere else. And you keep going somewhere else till you end up with the questions going to God and letting God answer those questions for you and then follow what God tells you to do. That's, that's the reality and the truth of what we're looking at. And Phil, I got a question for you and, and you'll be able to answer this one. Um, when you went through school, did you have a science class? Yeah. You know, or science biology. Yes. Because faith is employing the scientific method. And I just had this come to mind and I was, it was one of those where I had one part of it and I was like, let me just, I have my phone here. I'll just look this up. And now this is interesting. So you know, quote unquote, the scientific method. Okay. And now this is like with science, with knowledge, think about this from a faith perspective. And it has like a little circle here on the scientific method. And this beautifully explains what Yah is getting at is that if you want to discover the truth of Yah, you must employ the scientific method. Okay, now listen to this. First step, make an observation. Second step, identify a problem. Third step, research your problem. Fourth step, develop your hypothesis. And that's the word that I was looking at was, which is an educated guess, which you have to believe God first. It's an educated guess. Design an experiment. Conduct and analyze results construct a conclusion. Well, you come to that conclusion um, by, with the help of Yah, that you make the conclusion that this is true. And then, and just think about this, sorry, you make an observation. Well, just, just something isn't right in my life, you know, and I'm going to seek God with all my heart. Well, there's a problem not seeking God with all my heart. You've got to research the problem. You've got to go to the word because the, the Bible is for the unbeliever. You've got to develop a hypothesis. Well, this likely seems true to experiment, collect and analyze results, and then come up with a conclusion. So it's a multiple step process that anybody can go through and seeking with all your heart just puts you on the journey of, you know, I'm going to seek out this truth and I'm going to find it because the word says that seek for me and you will find me if you seek with all your heart, which seeking with all your heart is just a, a mindset of never stopping once you start. And you can go through all these and with each step of the process, all right, well, you come to repent. Why? Because you have identified that you're a sinner, that you're going to end up in hell if you don't turn to God and you got to figure out, well, how am I going to get past this? And then you start an obligation, then you go to a willfulness in it. And so just another tool that we can use, um, the scientific method, because, you know, the things in the world can be used to understand the spiritual teaching of Yah. So think about faith as doing scientific research that if you want the proof, and we've said this before, if somebody says, well, I want to know God exists, all right, well, I can give you the proof, but you've got to do your part. The, the way that you'll get the proof is you do the scientific method where you do the experiment and you find it and you'll discover it and it'll be evident to you. And, and that's the thing is that this is so beautiful because what does the word say about this? Draw near to God and they will draw near to you. All right, well, there's a problem that I want to be close to God. Okay, well, 
you go to God, that shows faith, and then they'll reciprocate. That was the word that I had in my mind before was reciprocate with this, because if you're going to date somebody, are you going to be able to date somebody that doesn't want to date you? No. They, you have to reciprocate. Like you come to somebody, I, I want to date you. I don't want to date you. Well, I'm going to date you anyway. Well, what are you doing? And you go to their house and we're going on a date. No, I'm not going on a date with you that they have to reciprocate. So that that's the key of you've got to go to God first to say, yeah, I want to have a relationship with you. And then they'll figure out, all right, well, do I want to have a relationship with you? And what we'll just see about this. And so though, yeah, will look at you just to do I want to date this person? Okay, I do. All right, well, we're going to start the dating process with repentance that, you know, there's a stage here and then, oh, okay. And then obedience and then trust. And then you go through that with Abba, then he'll bring you to Yeshua where you'll go through repentance, obedience, and trust. And then you'll be brought to mother, repentance, obedience, and trust. And um, I'll share this. Phil. I had this given to me this morning that with the, we talked about covenant and you had mentioned the veil that a veil lies over the old Testament. Well, what's interesting is I had this picture in my mind and we had mentioned this about the, like a contract having a triplicate uh, form. What's interesting about the covenant is, and I was just given this visual in my mind is that, that at the beginning, all you can see is the old covenant because the way the contract is, is that a veil lies over the spiritual aspect of it, that you can't see it yet. You can't see to understand the depth of the old Testament. Now you commit to Abba and you repent and turn to him. And then when you're brought to Yeshua, now you, the veil was lifted to where you can see, do you see that the, there's a spiritual aspect of this? So that now you can see it where it was there before. It's just, it, it hasn't, it wasn't able to be fulfilled until the sun came. So that aspect of the contract was veiled to where you couldn't see it, but it didn't mean that the contract wasn't laid out from the foundation of the earth. It's just, it's veiled because I know for us now that being in Messiah, that you can actually, we can look at the old Testament and see the spiritual teaching in it. We can see where it's speaking of Messiah and we're able to see because the veil has been lifted. Can you see the depth of this? It goes deeper that you're just not seeing what's hidden in this. So you must go through the old first in order to have the veil lifted to be able to see the new covenant. And that's the problem is that the enemy has taken people where he's people have convinced themselves that you're in the new covenant, but you can't get to the new covenant unless you go to Abba first, because he makes the way to the new and so really, if you claim to be in the new covenant and you haven't walked through the Old Testament, you're really not in any kind of covenant with Yah. You're in a covenant with the enemy. So get away from being in covenant with the enemy and be in covenant with God. But you can't do that without doing your research and analysis. And, and that's the thing is, if you're just listening to what we're saying, then you're really not, you're not doing the research and analysis and experimentation. You're just taking it because you may want it easy. And the thing about faith is we know this is that there is no easy button, but once you've made a conclusion and you've discovered the truth, then I may go through the same process again, but the same result is going to come out. And it was like you said that you follow the path, what the word of God says, the same result will come every single time. Now, if you don't follow that path, then you're going to get different results. Cause remember this, what is insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Well, with the word of God, you can do it over and over again, and it will be the same result every time, but make sure that you're following the race according to the rules and not what you think, because if you go by what you think, it will end up being different. 
And that's unfortunately what's going to happen to a lot of people is you'll think that you've got the conclusion to this faith and you'll stand before Yeshua and he'll say, you don't have the conclusion that you, there's a conclusion, but you didn't come to it. You didn't get it. And then therefore get over here. Well, I thought I found the conclusion. No, you didn't find the conclusion. So you need to get over here because the conclusion is you needed to get away from sin and you didn't find that conclusion. So, you know, go over here. So this just more and more man is without excuse because even speaking this morning, the scientific method is another way to make it. You have no excuse. Did you go through the scientific method? No. Okay. Well, there's just another piece that you were a scientist, but you didn't find it. And even Messiah's words, get away from me for I never knew you, you who work lawlessness. And he's saying that, yeah, I, I had head knowledge of who you were, maybe even heart knowledge because you, you started to pursue in this direction, but you never joined to me. We never had that union. And therefore, in order for you to truly know somebody, you have to have all three steps of the process in place. And this is an aspect where Paul would say, you know, uh, that I don't want you to uh, travel this journey to have your faith in vain. Why? Because you've only known God from a head knowledge and a heart knowledge perspective, but you didn't carry it through to a union with them. And again, you know, like we talk about, the full baptism is the three immersions into you immerse yourself into the Father, you immerse yourself into the Son, and then you immerse yourself into the Holy Spirit. And even those uh, those words were given when it was given to the apostles to baptize, go baptizing in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, saying that, you know, that one baptism is a, that one, which is a unified baptism, takes three immersions that you immerse yourself into Abba, which is the life of repentance. You immerse yourself into Yeshua, which is the uh, life of obedience. And then you immerse yourself into trust, which is the life of mother. And when you have all three of those full, then you have the full baptism. And it's not like in Peter, it, it doesn't have anything to do. Your baptism is a representation of a cleansing with water, but it's the pledge with good knowledge, with good science that gives you the ability to be in the kingdom because you're pledging now I've gained enough knowledge, enough science I've done enough experiments to know that God is real, that God is right. And so I'm making that pledge of a good conscience, a pledge with good knowledge that I'm giving my life over completely to you because I believe in you absolutely 100% without fail. And if it's not 100%, then you don't have it. And you, what you've traveled for, even if you've taken it to 99.9%, it will not conclude in a favorable outcome for you because you didn't carry it through to completion. 
And that's the, the completion part is when you've repented to Abba, Yahusha, and Mother, and you've had that full immersion. <clears throat> and when you do that, it's not an educated guess that you will have salvation. It's an absolute fact that you will have salvation. See, when you're studying and you're looking into something experimentally, you want to go with what fact is. What is the fact of the outcome? Because if you waver in that at all, then the conclusion at the end is not going to be able to be factual because your conclusion was premature because all the facts did not line up. Something was off, but you decided that, well, that's just that one time, so we're going to conclude this. No, with faith, that's the whole part of it is you having knowledge, you having science of faith, which is an absolute perspective that you know that's why we have the hope of salvation. The hope of salvation is not based in an educated guess. It's based in knowledge. And God wants you to have that knowledge because you need to have it. And so God doesn't have a problem with you experimenting with that faith perspective to figure out, you know, is this really appropriate or not? And if it's not appropriate, then how do I modify it to line up with God? And it's just some, a lot of different important things to look into and evaluate as you're doing it. Had a word that one of those where I latched onto and I was just rolling this that it doesn't say in the word, it doesn't say you make a decision with good knowledge. It says a pledge. And I thought I went back years ago, me and my dad would, we really enjoyed riding bicycles and we would ride this. It was called the MS 150, which was a, um, a bike tour where it would benefit the multiple sclerosis society. This was back in like the late eighties, early nineties. And pretty sure they may still do it. But I remember that they had a pledge form. And the pledge form would be go around, you know, are you willing to pledge $5, $10? And we had to raise, it was one of those where you had to, to get a pledges for 150 because it was the MS 150. So it's $150 minimum. And I was just thinking about that a pledge is a full commitment that you pledge to me $5. And, and I've seen these TV shows, like I think Andy Griffith had an episode where, you know, you're willing to give money and you're going to pledge this. And then he goes to collect the money and, I'm sorry, Andy, I I don't have the money. Wait a minute, you pledged. Well, no, I just, I don't, well, how are we going to, I think it was like a, they were buying an organ or something. And he was like, well, we don't have the money because nobody gave their money, but you pledged. And the thing is with God is that when you pledge, it's like you're willing to give a, a full commitment to them. And that's why when you do that, they will surely demand it of you. You've given your life as a pledge to be fully in this, then they will surely demand it of you because when they came back, where's your $5? Oh, here it is. Oh, thank you. But don't pledge something if you don't know what you're pledging to. And that's the thing that most people will give money or say they're going to do something and they don't do it. But Yah doesn't look favorable on that, that if you, and that's the thing that because of you experiencing and you doing the, um, come to the conclusion that this is right. This is what I want to do. I'm going to do it. I'm going to pledge my life to God and I will count the cost because 
you pledge it to me, I'll surely demand it of you. And, but the mindset should be, yeah, whatever you want, you take it. But it was just another one of those, you know, what is a pledge? Because if somebody says, yeah, I understand that. Well, but remember a pledge just means that you're committing to do, to do something and you've given your word on it that, okay, well you, you said it, you pledged it. I didn't force you to pledge, but you said you would give me $5. Where's the $5. And if you don't give it to me, then there's going to be anger because you're the one that pledged and I'm entitled to get that money from you because you're the one that pledged it. So just another aspect of you, as we read the word that the words that are in there aren't just a random term. And you know, y'all looks at that with seriousness. Don't make a vow. Don't make a pledge before God, because they will surely demand. It doesn't say you cannot make a vow. It's just be careful when you do it because Yah didn't say, make a vow to me. You're the one that did it voluntarily. So, okay, well now you've entitled me to demand whatever you vow to me. So just be careful when you make a promise because like anything, Yah will keep their promise. So be careful when we make promises to people to make sure that we fulfill them and the whole aspect of this is with hope. Like when we talked about hope before, well, hope is about what is sure and what is known and what is rock solid. So the hope of salvation is based in, you know that Messiah is going to come back. You know that I'm going to be with him and I'll inherit salvation. And that's the anchor because the anchor is solid and secure that I know this is going to happen because I know this and it will happen. Not, well, is Messiah going to, no, that's not hope. Hope is Messiah is going to come back and this is what's going to happen. And I know that this is what's going to happen. That's the, the anchor that it's that absolute knowing is that anchor. And you're just, you're waiting on God. Well, why you wait? Well, I don't need to do anything because I'm just waiting for Yeshua. No, because I, I just listened to this recently that are you going to be the one that's doing things that are wicked when the master is away? Cause the master has been away a long time. Well, maybe he's, I can, and then all of a sudden the master will come back on a day that you don't expect it. And that master is going to be very disappointed. So make sure that you're working and doing the will of God as you wait on, on Yah. But that just spoke to me. I was like, wow, the word pledge is such a huge deal here that this faith that we are walking in and we profess is about making a willful, full commitment to God. And Yah does not take that lightly. So be careful before you make the full commitment to realize that you give that to God that Yah doesn't mean that they will demand everything. Well, they, they, they will, they have the capability to demand whatever they want, but they might not ask you for everything, but you're up to be willing to lay that down to them. Yeah. And just looking at the word pledge again, that a pledge is a guarantee. You're guaranteeing something. And so you make a, like in Peter, it says a pledge of a good conscience. That means you're making a guarantee to God with good knowledge. That means you know without fail that it's right. So therefore, now I'm going to pledge. Unfortunately, way too many people put themselves in a committed place to God without having good knowledge. They, they wow, I commit my life to God, but they can't fulfill that because they haven't walked the path necessary to do that. 
and God's going to demand it of you. And when you get to the end and you're at the, the judgment, then you can't pay it. You didn't have Messiah to pay it for you. Then you have to pay eternally for the rest of eternity for you making that pledge. So it's better for you to be slow to make a choice and a decision that you're going to guarantee something to God rather than for somebody to get you into an emotional state of mind and get you to make a pledge that you're not capable of fulfilling because you didn't do the uh, science projects, you didn't do the things to, to gain the knowledge and information that you need to be able to make a good choice and to make that uh, educated decision that this is what I want. You know, there are times at the beginning of faith where you make an educated guess because you don't know. But the whole objective fault, well, I, the whole objective of it is that with the fullness of faith in God, you will have knowledge of it. You will know, and the only way to know is for you to go through the experimental process, for you to be able to look at your life and say, okay, well, everybody tells me that if I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, I'm going to be okay, but the Bible says in him there is no sin. So I'm going to evaluate my life and I'm going to see, do I have any sin? Oh, I have sin. Well, is God the problem? Is the Bible the problem or am I the problem? No, I'm the problem. I need to fix this. Uh, I, I need to figure out because the Bible says that I need to not be in a place of sin. So it's just a matter of going through the steps in order to gain the knowledge and information necessary for you to make a good decision. That's why, uh, and we've said this in our gathering before, don't make a decision for God in an emotional state of mind. The, you know, you, you break down and you feel like, you know, you feel broken and you, you know, it's not, you feel, you know, that you've wronged God and you know, you, and then you jump into the, uh, accepting him as Lord and savior or accepting him again and again and again, because you're doing it in an emotional state of mind. And in order for you to retain that, you have to retain that emotional state of mind of brokenness. And that's not, you, you can't do that. And that's why, if you have an emotional breakdown because of your falling short of the things of God, you have to get away from that breakdown point and then start doing the uh, scientific diagnostic test and figure it out from there. And then once you figure it out without an emotional uh, flood, then make a choice or make a decision based on what you're going to do, whether it's continue to follow God or uh, reject God, whatever it is. But whatever you do, make sure it's a knowledge-based perspective to where you truly know what you're doing 
and it's even this comes to mind right now. Messiah, knowing that the people around him when he was on the cross, that they had not carried out the science of God and forgive them for they know not what they do. They have no science. They have no knowledge of what they're doing. They know that they're crucifying me, but they don't know what they're doing. They don't know the depth of this uh, this act, which was going to happen. I mean, it was it was uh, prophesied to happen, so it was going to happen. But they don't. Just because it was going to happen doesn't mean the people really knew the ins and outs of it. Because if they really knew it, then they wouldn't have done it in the first place. And so this is just a, another beautiful aspect of being able to see that you can know something without knowing it. And you can, you can know that you know something without knowing it. And you really don't want to get, you know, if, if you have to ask yourself, well, do I know that I know that I know? Then you don't know. Because when you know this faith in, in God, your, your statement is, I know it. I know it because I know what I went through and I, and I know where I'm at now and I know what I experienced before. I know that before I experienced guilt for sin when I was claiming to have faith in God. I know that I did things that I wasn't supposed to do when I was claiming faith in God. And now I don't do those things. And now I don't sin. So I know that I have it and I know it because I've walked through all three steps of the head knowledge, the heart knowledge, and then the knowledge of being joined to another individual. So just really important for people as they look at the faith journey and as you listen to this, it's really important that you make sure that you've known the Father first because even Messiah said that nobody comes to me except drawn by the Father. So you have to go to the Father first, but you don't get the good graces of the Father until you until you finish with the Son because then it says uh, no one comes to the Father except by me. So you have to go to the Father so he can present you to his son. And then once you've uh, approved yourself with his son, then you can get access to have that uh, communication and that good friend relationship with Abba. And then, of course, with uh, the spirit mother as well. So just really important as we look at this, make sure you're doing the science of faith because faith is the original science because it's knowledge. God is knowledge, and that knowledge is unfading, unchanging, unmoving. It's immutable, and therefore, when you, when you come to a true conclusion with it, that conclusion will be absolute, and you will know it, and you will never have to question you, whether you have faith or not again. And that's fact. And we can speak to that because we've been there. We know it. We know it because we were on the other side. We walked that other path. But now I have a knowledge that 
nobody you can you can teach me and expand my knowledge and where I am, but you will never be able to change my salvation and my position because I know where I stand with God. And that's not a, I've convinced myself of it. It's that I've gone through the process of the science to make sure that I know it for myself and know it from God. And you can help me with this one that's coming to mind where when Jonah got frustrated with Yah, and I remember that um, he had like some kind of plant growing over him and, and it covered him and then that, that went away and he got frustrated at that and Yah said, you know, why are you frustrated or angry at this? And he says, you know, how do I deal with these people that don't even know their right hand from their left? And you're getting frustrated at this on people that don't know their right hand from their left. So why are you getting upset that I would relent because of their repentance? They don't even know their right. I mean, think about that. Like somebody tells you, well, you don't even know your right hand from your left. And you, wow, I don't really, meaning that you don't even, they don't know what they're doing. So why are you getting frustrated at them when they don't know what they're doing? Do you know what you're doing, Jonah? You know, evaluate. And it made me think of Yeshua with, they were, you know, testing him, you know, because their concern was the law of Moses. And well, if you were doing what Moses did, then you would be the son. And I remember him, they said that Abraham is our father. And it, it came to mind is, all right, well, you claim that Abraham is your father. Do you know Abraham? Because if you did, you would do the things Abraham did, but you're not doing what Abraham did because he's not your father. So it, it was interesting how Socratically he's putting it back on them, you know, to where, you know, is Abraham your father? Because if he was, but if Abba was your father, then you wouldn't attempt to kill me. You would love me if Abba was your father, but because you don't. See, that's the thing. That's the proof that he knew that Abraham wasn't their father because I'm watching you. And by experience, I see what you do. It doesn't matter what comes. Well, it does matter, but I'm not concerned about what comes out of your mouth. I'm looking at you're not doing what Abraham did because that would be proof that you've experienced him as your father. And same with me, that if you knew Abba, then you would come and, and rejoice and embrace me. You would not reject me because it's just like I had another word that I was latching on to. And you can see this, but those out there can't. Like I have a water bottle here. And if I take the cap off and I go to a swimming pool, if I want to draw the water, I've got to come to the water and then have an opening to where the water can draw itself in. And it made me think of Abba brings the opportunity. You come to Messiah that I'm going to draw you to him so that you can now draw him in to where you can be in him. He can be in you. But without me, you're not going to be able to come to him. Now you can have, like you said, you can have knowledge of the son of God exists, but that's not what he's talking about. See, that's the thing. It's that different religions, and like we've said, we've come from Christianity, that you know that the Son of God exists, but that's not good enough. It's not just that you accept that he exists. That's not good enough. You know, me saying, Phil, you exist. So what? That means nothing to me. All right, I exist no matter if you accept me or not. It doesn't matter. So get past the acceptance part and move on to the experiment part. You know, because we could say, yeah, God exists. Yeah, but God exists no matter if you embrace him or reject him. So find the place where you know him because um, knowing God means that you're experiencing them and you're continuing to experience them because this knowing things is a circular mindset. It's not a linear thing. Knowing is 
ever increasing and growing because the word of God is living and active. So we know Yah more and more. It's not that you get to know Yah and then it just stops. No, it's a continual knowing because even with me and you, we can know more things about each other as we spend time together, have conversations, stuff like that. So it's really, you know, just giving an aspect of getting to know God is really getting to know faith. And I had a scripture come to mind that says that without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him must believe he exists and the rewarder of those who diligently seek them. Well, so that tells you that you're not going to get any reward from them, which is ultimately the reward is what he told to um, Abram before it was Abraham, that I'm your shield, your very great reward. Well, because you know me, you know, you couldn't be, he was called, Abraham was called the friend of God. Well, he wouldn't be called a friend if he didn't know God that, well, I'm a friend of God and we've never spoken. We've never had any conversation, anything. No, that's ridiculous. You wouldn't call somebody your friend that you've never spoken to or don't know anything about. They become a friend by you talking to them and then engaging and realize, well, I want to be friends with this person. So it's got to be mutual. Um, what's coming to mind is this has to be mutual on both sides. It's not that you just know God and that's it. Well, God has to know you as well because you know people say, well, just come as you are. Well, yeah, you come to God as you are, but you're not supposed to leave as you are. You're supposed to transform to a new creation um, because if not, you know, because people say, well, God accepts you no matter where you are. Well, but I beg to differ with that because is God going to accept you when you die in sin? No, they're going to reject you. So it's just one of those where this is just another way of just to really question yourself and determine if you're not really on the true uh, faith path journey that you have time to change, you know, just had this song come to mind with Stairway to Heaven, Led Zeppelin, there's always time to change the road that you're on until you depart this earth and you cannot change where you're going. But no, this is just really good conversation, just helping to see that, you know, people that are listening into us take this information and really use it to question your own faith and, you know, question others that claim that they know all this truth. And well, wait a minute, you say this, but the the Bible doesn't say that. How can you answer that? And if they don't answer, well, there's a problem. You know, stop just sitting there accepting things that people tell you and start looking into it. Is this really true? Because I know for me in Christianity, coming from that, that you just sit there and get lectures. You don't really have a time of, when was the last time you had a question and answer session in a gathering? Not Not very often. So, you know, just a way to, you know, because with the scientific method, a question is a problem, you know, help me with this. I, I don't understand this. Well, the question is the search to figure out the answer to the, the solution to the problem. To know that, you know, that, you know, is so many different ways that you can know your faith. And again, remember our objective isn't to be asking people, do you know that you know that you know? No, it's do you really know faith? And if you do, then you will know by experience what the prophets went through. You will know by experience what uh, Noah, Abraham, Moses, uh, you can just keep on going down the line because you will have experienced the same things, not from the exact same perspective, but a slightly different. 
uh, how do you know you have faith in Abba because you've experienced things that the prophets and that those from the Old Testament experienced? How do you know that you know Messiah is that you know no place of sin, that in him there is no sin, that also if you know him, you will walk as he did. If you know him, you will listen to his commands and put them into practice. And so those are just factual uh, things that you can use as a determination. Do I really know Abba? Do I really know Messiah? And then the, the trust aspect of the spirit, you will continue to grow more and more in trusting God and less and less of where are things in the world when you know the spirit. And it is a, a continual growing process with all three of them that we get to learn and grow just like with anybody else that you meet in this life. You, you start at the, the knowing them from the, uh, just the physical perspective that they're there. Then you get to know them by conversation. Then you get to know them because you decide, you know, want it, I want this person to be my friend, so I'm going to join to them. But you're going to have, if you're truly joined to somebody else, you're going to have similar beliefs similar uh, recognitions and understandings. Now, there'll be other, you know, like you may have uh, different things that, that you prefer more than I do, but on the base principle, it's going to be we're going to like similar things. And so when you look at God, if you're going to claim that you know God, one, you have to know them. Two, do you know their voices? Can you distinguish their voice from the voice of the enemy, the ones that come to you as an angel of light? Can you distinguish between Abba is speaking to me or Yeshua is speaking to me or Ema, mother, is speaking to me? Can you make that distinguish? Because if you know them, you will know these things. You will increase in it, but it's just important that people recognize and they understand that knowing God means that these things will take place and you know Messiah, you will walk as he did, you will live his life, you will not sin, It's that's a fact of it. And if you are walking and living in something different than that, then I challenge you to go back to the science until you have it from a knowledge base that you know you're living his life, that you know you don't have sin. Because if you don't, you're going to be set aside at the white throne judgment. And we don't want to see that happen to anybody. But unfortunately, it's going to happen to many. So, Sean, do you have any final words as we wind up for this morning? I just sit here in amazement of it's just because in my mind I was thinking, well, you know, pretty much that wraps it up. I really don't have anything to add before you just put it over to me. I'm just like, because the way that y'all works is they know what they're doing and they know when they want us to stop, when they want us to start. And no, I mean, y'all has just made so much, just brought so much more truth out and just so evident. So, I mean, I know nothing to add to it. It's just all beautiful. It's wonderful. All right, then, we're going to sign off here for another 
Saturday. Uh, good opportunity for Socratic conversation and truth of God being put out there. Know that you know that you know your faith by being able to see that it works in complete alignment with the truth of God, the word of God, and what's in the Bible. Have a blessed day, and we'll be back on Tuesday at 7.30. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.